0: Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast. Um, We are starting a five-episode series with our our friend Mike Fielding as a partner with Hirsch Blackwell. We've got our Senior Lending Summit coming up. And ahead of that, I thought it would be a good idea to run through some, some areas of distressed loans that... Many of our listening audience may not know about, and so we've we try to admit, we try to hit to our audience both on and every level of the experience tree. And so we wanted to spend some time here, going through, doing a little education uh, with uh, with some newer lenders and some the experienced lenders. You may be picking up some things you don't know either. So, Mike, welcome back to the show, buddy. Glad to have you. Welcome for our new listeners. Why can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, oh, Byron, thank you for taking me back. I've uh, been, been on here a few few times. I'm excited about this today. So just for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm, I'm Mike Fielding. I'm a, a partner in the Kansas City office at Hush Blackwell. I uh, work in the uh, distressed debt group uh, with a big focus on distressed um, agricultural loans, although I do commercial, certainly do a lot of commercial stuff as well. Uh, and uh, just happy to be here today.
0: Yeah. But good deal yeah Mike has done some of our AG lending um content as well here on the podcast so lots of really good insights uh for for the bankers. so uh Mike let's get started um just talk to us about what are some of the benefits to a lender of entering into a forbearance agreement
1: yeah so this is kind of the first line of defense when you have a line of uh, the loan going south um mm-hmm. the uh the you know obviously we want the goal here is to maximize profitability and we want to do it with as as few attorney's fees as possible and creating an exit for the bank in a relatively short order amount of time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're trying to pave the, the ground that in case the loan continues to go further south that we've created some, some safety measures for the bank uh, that will protect it if, if things deteriorate in the lending relationship. And so that's why we'd want to enter into a forbearance agreement by that little bit of time but also put into place some uh, legal protections for the bank going forward
0: good deal um what are some of the uh the incentives for the borrower for entering into a forbearance agreement
1: well i there's a loan officer i've worked with for years and he and he mm-hmm. says you know the, the the price of a parachute goes up when you fall out of an airplane and <laughs> uh, he says that because sometimes you know when you enter in a forbearance agreement the uh the bank wants a lot of things and is not willing to really budge. I mean, they're, they're forbearing. That's their big give in the equation, but what the borrower gets in return is is frankly another breath of life. It's another right. moment to live. And that's, that's uh, quite frank. And then a little bit more control over their own destiny. So, yeah.
0: Well, what are some of the, uh, <clears throat> let's talk about the other side of what are some risks? I mean, like, like you said, with these forbearance agreements here, you know, agreements that the bank is willing to, as the name says, forbear the situation. So we've got some benefits on either side. What are some risks that the lender faces when, when you've already crossed that Rubicon and you're in a forbearance? What's the risk that the lender needs to be aware of?
1: Yeah, um, delay, right? That the borrower just continues mm-hmm. to delay and, and not cooperate. And that's the biggest risk. You um, you know, they've delayed, they've missed payments. That's why you're in a forbearance in the first place. There's something right. wrong with the lending relationship. Right. And the borrower may just be using you to try to buy more time. So that's the risk. Um, now it it comes with the price in the sense that they have to give up concessions to enter into a forbearance agreement, and typically you'll get your uh, release of claims as well.
0: Yeah. What uh, uh, what are some common provisions that go in a forbearance agreement? You you lawyers like to put all kinds of bells <coughs> and whistles in there. So what what are some different provisions that that are common in a forbearance?
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll say to our listeners, uh, we're I, I think we've created a document that'll be in the show notes for this podcast yeah. here, and so we go yeah. into a lot more detail, uh, kind of a, a bit of a checklist, as it were. But some the, the high level items that you want in a a forbearance agreement are you basically want the the borrower to acknowledge that they owe you the money. Um, you want them to waive any defenses that they may have. You want them to release claims that they may have against the bank because we're we're trying to get a reset, so to speak. Uh, you know, the, the great reset, right? We've we've heard that term a lot in yeah. society generally, but this is the great reset and the lending relationship. So you're wanting to get that bit of a fresh start. Um, and that's why you get the releases and the waivers. But then the other items are, you know, what are the big deal points going forward. Uh, You know, do they have liquidation milestones? Are they going to pay Mm -hmm. you certain amounts by certain dates? You're going to have things like that, reporting requirements. uh, You know, uh, those are generally the things there. So it's, it's, I think in a nutshell, you'd say there's the practical, what's our deal as part of the forbearance? And then the other big half is what are all the bells and whistles that we're throwing in there to really protect and benefit the bank?
0: Yeah. And as Mike mentioned, we've got a in the show notes and on the show or in the show page uh, over at the thebarrettbanking.org, I'm going to have um, some embedded PDF files that Mike has sent me along. That's going to get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of these of these provisions. Um, you know. Not, contrary to what Mike and I might listen to uh, 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 an understanding about different fee structures and whereas clauses and things like that probably doesn't make for good podcasting, but uh, you need to understand how those work uh, in there. So there's a, a, a much deeper outline in the show notes, free of charge, help yourselves download it, share early and often. Um, Mike, let's get back to this. Can I uh, how does forbear- entering a forbearance agreement, um, how does that work with future bankruptcy filings? What does that look like? Yeah, so
1: there's uh, a couple of a key provision. One is if you're really smart from a lender's perspective, recognizing that the borrower may file bankruptcy, you may want to get provisions in there where they where the borrower agrees not to contest your motion for relief from the state. So that if they file yeah. for bankruptcy, you can just march in there. You still need to get the judge's approval, but you you shouldn't get opposition from the debtor to liquidate the collateral. So some courts will enforce that, some won't. You'd um, you would want to do that. Now, excuse me, I should say there are some risks that are related, bankruptcy risks related by a forbearance agreement. Mm-hmm. And those are uh, potentially uh, bankruptcy clawback actions, preferential transfers, and constructively fraudulent mm-hmm. transfers. And I'll say to the listeners, you know, we're as you mentioned, Byron, this is a part of a five to me a five-part podcast mm-hmm. and we're actually going to do our fifth segment is going to do a deep dive into that so i'll just Great. encourage people to listen to that when it comes out
0: yeah i mean the, the podcast for like i said for those of you who are not quite as uh experienced uh in, in lending you know you've really got to be careful with these forbearance and these bankruptcies and for when you're in forbearance or getting that direction Dotting your I's and crossing your T's, uh, you need to know what the possibilities are. So it's really important uh to get your arms around this. Um what are some other factors that you would recommend, Mike, uh that uh should that lenders should have in mind in dealing with these forbearance agreements?
1: You need you need to really look at the collateral in the market. You know, I'll give mm-hmm. you an example. Uh right now we're uh rising interest rates how, how high will Jerome Powell go right if we all right. knew that, that'd be the the big much more than a $64,000 question right there right. um but how liquid is the real estate going to be uh obviously if you're dealing with ag products there's certain times that they're more liquid so to speak versus right. uh, you know if you're dealing with livestock so you need to be thinking about liquidity market conditions, things of that nature when you're trying to structure this so, so that you get your timing right so that it benefits the bank in,
0: in an optimal way. Mm. Um, what are some of the things that you see lenders do, uh, pitfalls? What are some things that you see pitfalls, uh, what are some pitfalls that you see lenders make uh, with their dealing with these forbearance agreements? I think that's a really interesting point that you have in the work here.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest risk is, you know, we, we want to control what's going on. We don't like the borrower just willy-nilly doing whatever he or she wants. And so the challenge is there, there's a fine line of putting in requirements and restrictions versus when you are actually kind of controlling or even running the borrower's business. And that the problem is if you get, if you go overboard, if you get too aggressive then yes, you have something on paper that makes you feel very good, but you may be setting yourself up for a lender liability claim. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what's the old phrase? Uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Right. Uh, there's some reality to that that you want to keep in mind as well.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said too, and uh, in, in your your material about uh, internal pressure and internal lender pressure and dynamics, um, and just acting too erratically. Um I, I, I like that. And sometimes we get to, we, we were having our ag lending uh, session with uh, Tim Oldie this past week. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the obsession that problem loans can become in the lender's minds to the point that he knew of once a banker who'd spent the first two hours of the day on the phone with the lawyer and the lender or the borrower. And then the last two hours of the day with the lawyer and the borrower. And, you know, at some point, it just seems to me that there's, you know, the, the pressure and the dynamics, you can really start creating an environment where you're going to act wrong, you're going to act out of, uh, you know, too too fast, too hot, too much. And I, I really like that point, Mike. Mike, uh this is our end of our part one, what are some things that are coming up at Hirsch Blackwell that you want to tell us about? Uh,
1: well, you know, so a full service law firm, you know, represent clients nationwide. We're primarily based in the Midwest. I personally, I'm licensed in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Utah. So, I, I'm busy in a lot of <laughs> items, but I, I I stay very busy just representing lenders throughout the country, uh, helping them resolve distressed debt. And you know, I think that the important thing, and this is not just this is my mindset, but I think it's a really a plug generally for resolution of distressed debt. I'll just add this for your listeners and we can end it here. Um, my viewpoint is that courts are generally unpredictable and courts (laughs) are very expensive. And Mm -hmm. from a lender's perspective, you know, yes, we want to be aggressive, but, uh, Sometimes we get too fixated on it. I've, like you said, Byron, you know, what, what, what Tim Oldie was saying, I, I've heard of an analogy of a fighter pilot analogy and, and, mm. and, and not being a fighter pilot, but in, but in the spirit of Top Gun, right, we'll put, right. <laughs> put this out there. So, sometimes uh, I've heard fighter pilots say that sometimes you get so focused on one particular target that you don't pay attention to the other planes that are out there. And that's mm-hmm. when you can get hit. And I think that's that same perspective. You need to create a little bit of emotional distance, but then at the same time try to structure it so that you try to look for a reasonable outram for a way to get out of the distressed debt. So anyway, just food for, for our listeners here today.
0: No, I think that's great. Uh, you know, and it's 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 such a difficult but important part uh, of the lending process that um and I think it sometimes gets talked about, and like I think it sometimes gets talked about too harshly. It, it's either you know go, especially inside the bank, or we're going to sue and you know throw out the widows and the orphans and all this kind of thing, and that sometimes trickles down into the mindset of the of, of the front line and it, it, just taking a break and thinking. And I'm not saying well, you know be give it away, but uh, calm down, t- put some distance there. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll come out with a better outcome, I think. So, yeah. Well, good deal. Well, that's, uh, that's the end of today's episode. Y'all come back to, uh, next week. We'll uh, get into part two of uh, our conversation with Mike around uh, this distressed debt. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship. And if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.